You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. As Connor said, my name is Blair. I'm one of the pastors here at the Gate, and I have the uh, privilege this morning to be with you and to have this time set aside now to, um, to come to God's Word and, and my prayer is that wherever you find yourself coming here from, that together as we uh, circle around the Bible, uh, that all of us will be growing and growing closer to the Lord and more in the things that he has for us as we do this. And this is awesome because that means that as we do this together, the church is being strengthened and growing for God's purpose as well. So um, I'm excited to be here and a special welcome to anyone who may be joining us for the first time. If you are just joining us, um, I'll catch you up on what we've been doing for a couple months now. Uh, each Sunday morning, we've been reading through and praying the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. And the Lord's Prayer is uh, Jesus is answering a question that his disciples had for him, actually. They, they said to Jesus, would you teach us how we should pray? And Jesus, in his, his infinite uh, grace and wisdom, teaches them, and he gives them a way that they can and should pray. And so as Christians, it's, it's important for us to, to know this prayer, to know what it means, and then to be practicing it. So uh, this is what we've been doing each Sunday. We've read the prayer and then been going quite slowly through phrase by phrase. Um, last, mes- uh, last week's message from Pastor Greg was the incredible reminder and truth of Jesus praying, give us this day our daily bread. And, and we were taught about uh, relying on God and trusting him for the things that we need, to pray for the things that we need and to find them um, in Jesus, who is the bread of life. And so that's where we are coming from. And this, this week we'll be settling in on verse 12. Uh, I'm also going to be reading a few of the verses that follow the prayer because uh, Jesus teaches about what he says in verse 12 in the verses that follow. Uh, So if you you want to open a Bible, if you've brought one, I'll be in Matthew chapter 6. I'm reading verses 9 through to verse 15. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your father, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So as I was saying, each and everything that Jesus says in this prayer is is meaningful, it's significant, it's profound, and it's important for us to to dwell on these and and then ask ourselves how we might be praying them ourselves as followers of Jesus. So uh, today is no different, and we're going to just be hitting the ground running, diving right in uh, with verse 12 where Jesus prays. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. What does this talk about debt? Why is Jesus, in in the the one prayer that he gives as sort of the outline, the the example for prayer, why is he talking about 
debt. Um, I was raised with the uh, tra- translation of the Bible, which used the word trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses. Uh, other translations say, forgive us for the things we do wrong or our sins or whatever. There's all kinds of um, things. But I want to talk specifically about uh, debt this morning and how our understanding of what Jesus says in terms of debt will hopefully show us a, a little bit more about what Jesus is saying and, and why it matters that we pray these words and what kind of effect it will have on us. So I probably don't have to explain to anyone what debts are. In fact, just by hearing that word, most of us get a little, I don't know, a knot in our stomach or kind of an uneasy feeling. Um, is there anyone, when I say debts, that just has like an overwhelming sense of peace and happiness and feels good <laughs> to think about? Um, maybe if you happen to be living debt-free, in which case, that is awesome. Keep doing it. Um, but for the rest of us, we, we don't like to th- uh, think about debts. It's not, a, it's not a happy word for us. And I was reading about some of the context, I, I suppose the setting in which Jesus would have said these words. And it was similar for Jesus' audience 2,000 years ago to hear him say, forgive us our debts. It wasn't a happy thing back then either. Um, actually, more so than, than to us was it... Uh, a cause of stress or anxiety because um, debt causes all kinds of problems for, for you and for me, right? It, it, it keeps us awake at night. It's, it causes conflict in the household or stress or whatever. It's different for every person. Uh, but in Jesus' time, if, if he said, forgive us our debts, um, his audience, are, they're living in the, the, the Roman Empire, aren't they? Uh, so this is the setting. And... Um, Romans did not deal kindly with those who had debts. Um, in fact, if you had debts which you couldn't pay in the Roman Empire, you were uh, sentenced to jail. They would throw you in jail. And it's interesting because Romans didn't actually put very many people in jail. I think with other types of criminals, they... Um, Usually just killed them. They didn't waste time with, uh, with the jail sentences, but it was unique for, for debtors. And so, from what I've read, uh, Roman jails were almost exclusively filled with people who had unpaid debts. And if we think about this and kind of do the math, we can see the problems that this would cause for you if you were in that position. Um, because if you had debts which you couldn't pay, and then uh, the government comes in and throws you in jail, well, now you're even less able to pay off your debts, right? And that doesn't, that's not very fair or equitable. It's like, how's that going to work out? Well, that apparently wasn't on their minds. They didn't care about that. What they cared about was that you were um, taken out of society so you would stop running more debts, right? It was a preventative measure. It's like if you're locked up, then that's the end of this um, piling up of debts for you and you won't cause any more. And how it's worked out for you, they didn't really care. Um, It it would seem that the only way to solve this problem, if you were 
uh, imprisoned for your debts was to have someone who you were connected with, whether it be a friend, family member, or someone with a vested interest in you, um, be able to pay off your debts for you from the outside, thus purchasing your liberty and freedom once again to leave jail and, and carry on with life. But if you didn't have that, you were in a, a, tight, a tight spot. So this is kind of maybe the connotation of this word debt when Jesus says, forgive us our debts. We don't like the word, but perhaps his, his followers liked it even less than we did because it was life and death. So why would Jesus teach us to pray, Lord, forgive us our debts? We don't owe God money. Uh, Jesus isn't talking, he's using a financial term, but he's not actually talking about finances, is he? This isn't the kind of debt that we owe God. But the debt that we do owe God is actually worse than that. We carry spiritual debt. We have spiritual debt. Whether you like it or not, the Bible teaches us this, that that, that people inherently, universally carry spiritual debt towards God. And the common word for this is sin. This is what Jesus is praying about, is our forgiveness for sin. Forgive us our debts. So, before we can pray along with Jesus and pray this particular part of the Lord's Prayer, uh, we're faced with a, we're confronted with a choice, or a decision, I suppose. And, and, um, This is why it's important for us, as we read the Lord's Prayer, to think carefully and maybe overcome the familiarity that we have with uh, these words because it's it's so famous. Um, We hear the Lord's Prayer in all kinds of contexts. I've had it memorized for a long time, so it's easy for me to just recite it. But let's think for a minute and hear it with fresh ears. We're faced with a choice because none of us can pray the words that Jesus prayed, forgive us our debts, unless we understand and and accept the implication of what Jesus says here, that we have debts. That we're not without sin, without this kind of debt against God. Because Jesus doesn't pray, Lord, um, for those who have debts, please forgive them. If we have debts, it's, it's not a question. It's a blanket statement, forgive us our debts. It's universal. So we don't have to argue about, well, I'm a, I'm a good person or I'm a bad person or, or whatever. That's out of the question in this prayer. That's not what it's about. So we can't pray the Lord's Prayer. We can't pray what Jesus teaches us to pray without a kind of acceptance and realization that there's something within me that needs to be forgiven. There's something within me that needs forgiveness. There's a debt that I owe that only God can forgive. Otherwise, this prayer doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense to pray it. Uh, The Apostle John explains it like this. If we say we have no sin, 
We deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. So it's just about being real and honest. On the other hand, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So at this point, this confrontation, uh, this is naturally where many people turn from the message of Jesus, isn't it? Admitting that we have a spiritual debt, that we've sinned, requires a kind of a, a humility, right? a confession of repentance. And for many of us, this is so difficult to do. Uh, Martin Luther was a man who wrestled with this type of uh, topic for his whole life up until his very end. Um, One of the things that he said about this is, in the presence of God, everyone must duck their head and come into the joy of forgiveness only through the low door of humility. I can, uh, I can attest to this from personal experience. This kind of humility hurts. It's painful. It hurts my pride any time that I truthfully and honestly uh, admit my wrong, to whether it's to God or to someone who I've sinned against. It hurts. It's not easy. Nobody likes debt. <laughs> That's why it's such a... Uh, and in, that's why we're talking about it, right? I don't want to admit that. We don't want to admit that we've got debt, but Jesus knows it, and so he prays it. He gives it to us to pray. Forgive us our debts. Um, it would seem that this is the only way which we can open ourselves to also receive and experience God's forgiveness is through this kind of honesty about our sin. First, we have to come to terms with it. We have to admit we're in the red. God deserves nothing less than obedience, praise, glory, our dedication, all that we can give him. But there's a natural tendency in us to fall short uh, to miss the mark, to, to, to choose something else than what his will is for us. It's a sin. We all do this. We all have debts. So that's the hard part. But the wonderful thing about Matthew 6, verse 12, is that it's the gospel. It's the good news. Um, I don't know if this will ever happen to you, but if someone asks you, explain to me the gospel in five words or less, (laughs) you can say, forgive us our debts. Because in the same breath that Jesus makes this suggestion that each of us has debt, he also suggests that there's a way for our debts to be forgiven. 
Isn't that amazing? Imagine, I was thinking about this, imagine if we started advertising. Um, come to the Gate Church, 522 3rd Ave South, Sunday mornings around 10 a.m., and your debts will be forgiven. <laughs> now we're talking. Uh, we would be selling out like NMAX Center, wouldn't we? We'd have to get a way bigger building. Because you, you would be crazy not to show up to that service. Um, if, we, if we put it that way. This news sounds great. And, and I remind you, this news sounds even better to Jesus listeners. Because if, if, if you're in that position, you're probably in, in jail for it. Forgive us our debts. This is unheard of. Debts do not get forgiven. And in fact, the opposite. You get punished for them. Go to jail. Or in our terms, there's all other kinds of problems, like I said, that they cause us. Nobody gets their debts forgiven. Somebody had to find a way to pay the sum that we owed in order for our freedom to be bought. Um, While we're on this topic, we usually refer to Romans chapter 3, but too often we only read verse 23. I want to read Romans 3, 23 and 24. Listen to how Paul describes it. For all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We've all sinned, we fall short of the glory of God, and we're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. So um, Paul is continuing the financial language of, of redemption that's now, it's a religious word. We use it all the time in Christian context. But redemption, that's a, a, a money metaphor, right? We redeem something by, uh, by purchasing it, by paying the price for it. God's grace justifies us by redeeming the cost of our sin. I was thinking about it, and only Jesus could truthfully teach us to pray these words, forgive us our debts because only he had an understanding of the means to to pay what we owe there's forgiveness for our debts in the person and work of Jesus this is why he can teach us to pray for forgiveness of debts knowing that he was going to be the one to buy our freedom for our sin isn't that amazing um, Paul explains it in another letter to the Colossian church. This is so, so good. Colossians 2, 13 to 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Um, in verse 14, 
He talks about the record of debt standing against us. This, is, this was an actual document that people would have. They would have a written record of their debts. And I can guarantee you it was probably their least favorite thing in the filing cabinet. Right? Uh, a track record of everything that you owed. And it was probably some kind of safeguard against being accused and going to jail. But in either case, a record of debt was a, a thing which, which people actually had. It was a document. Paul says that this record of debt was nailed to the cross. And this is significant too, because when someone was crucified, uh, the Romans would have a document or something with the person who was crucified describing why they were being crucified. And we read about that in, in Jesus' crucifixion, what, what they put, uh, King of the Jews. But what an image Paul gives us. But on the cross where Jesus was crucified, there was a document with your name on it, your record of debt. And because of it, when God looked on Jesus and, and saw him there with your debt record, he looks on you with forgiveness because of Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus paid for our debts on the cross. So you can see why I wanted to kind of talk about debt and and think about what it means to us and what it meant to Jesus listeners and see why Jesus would, would use that word when he says, pray like this and pray, forgive us our debts. It's about our sin and it's about what he Uh, accomplished for us. It's about the gospel and the good news of forgiveness for all people. So um, that's awesome. But that's just the first half of verse 12. What about the second half? Reading the whole verse, it's clear to us that Jesus wants us in our prayer to realize that what we receive from God is to have some kind of uh, outward impact receiving God's grace. I'll read it again. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. It seems that if we've been forgiven of our debts, we have to forgive those who have debts against us. And again, we're talking about sin. If God overlooks our sin and we accept his grace through Jesus' sacrifice, on our behalf, then we too must have grace on those who have sinned against us. Um, It's easy to misunderstand Jesus' words here because of the way that he makes our forgiveness and forgiving others. They're linked together. They're hand in hand. But it's easy to perhaps misinterpret and think that, well, Okay, if I want God to forgive me, then I have to make God forgive me by forgiving other people first, right? Like we earn God's forgiveness by forgiving other people, and somehow that's how it works. That's a slight twist, but it's not true. That's not how I believe this works. What Jesus is saying, the way I read it, is that 
My choosing to forgive somebody is tangible evidence that I have received and, and understood God's forgiveness of me. God's gift of grace. It's evidence. Um, another way to look at it is like this. What rights do Christians have to withhold grace and forgiveness of other people? What right do we have? If we identify with Jesus, we say he's, he's our Lord, we follow Jesus, whose every purpose was for our justification through grace, then how can I possibly deny grace towards those who have wronged me? It doesn't add up. So you can see why in the same breath as Jesus says, forgive us our debts, he's already there talking about our forgiveness of others. And this is where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? Um, I've had many conversations about this, about what this looks like, what does it mean, how do we forgive. Um, It's a very personal thing. But before we... We leave this part of the Lord's Prayer. I want to challenge us and encourage us to think long and hard about this, um, to reflect, to look inside of ourselves and see how the forgiveness that we know through God's Son has taken effect on us and caused us to um, not only receive grace, but to be a people who give grace to others. Okay? In other words, we heard the gospel in the first four words of this verse, but has it changed us? Are we a changed people because of this? Um, Jesus says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. Trespasses. Our relationship with God is hand-in-hand with the way that we uh, relate to other people in our lives and in our hearts. Um, There's a part a little bit later in the book of Matthew. You can tell that the disciples have been chewing on this stuff, right? Jesus teaches them things, and then often they come back to him and, and ask for clarification, which is fair enough. Like I said, we're doing the same thing. We're wondering, okay, we're, we're forgiven and we've got to forgive, but I don't know how to do that all the time. And I think that's okay. So uh, Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how many times should I forgive uh, my brother who sinned against me? Seven times? Seven times is quite a bit. That's a lot of forgiveness. And Jesus famously responds to him and says, not seven times, but 77 times, which I think is a clever way of saying forever, on and on. Not seven times, 77 times. In other words, how forgiving should we be? We should be more forgiving. How forgiving should I be? More. Because like I said, this process of forgiving others, which will for sure be ongoing, 
in our lives. It is an outward expression that we've uh, known and experienced and received and put into practice the grace uh, that we've been offered through God, the forgiveness which he's given us. Uh, So to close things off this morning, I'll offer two different suggestions depending on where you find yourself, and then the result of those two will be the same. The application will be the same. My first suggestion is to those who at this point have perhaps never received God's forgiveness from God through Jesus before, which we were talking about. Forgive us our debts. Maybe you've never heard that God wants to do this for you, the good news. Um, that, that uh, yes, you have debts. That's the bad part. But the good news is there's forgiveness for them because God loves you, right? He wants to set you free. Sin is, is, is like a prison for us, spiritually speaking. And, and we're there. But through Jesus, you can be, your, your freedom can be purchased. And you can have new life and walk away. And this forgiveness is, as, as we read, it's found through the cross of Jesus Christ, which we'll um, focus on in a few minutes with communion. But if this is you, I say repent and believe and receive the, the, the joy of knowing God's forgiveness through his Son and pray as Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our debts. And then my second suggestion is to those who have received this grace and, and who know it, and you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and we might be wondering, well, um, is this still an important thing for me to pray? Does this matter, right? I, I have salvation. Um, do I need to pray as Jesus has taught, forgive us our, our debts? And I would say certainly we do, because first of all, in praying this, we're reminded again uh, our minds are set on the good news of, of what Jesus has done for us. Um, it's all too easy to forget, to take for granted, or to, to let that grow cold in our hearts. And so if we pray, forgive us our debts, as Jesus teaches us, we're, we're brought to that place again where we're reminded of the, the reality of where we have been and what Jesus saves us from. And the other reason that we should continue praying, forgive us our debts, is because As we do this, God is faithful to forgive us for the sin that continues to cloud our vision uh, here and now, right? As we walk, and and there's no doubt that all of us are still uh, in sin in some way or another as we're imperfect people. And so when we pray, forgive us our debts, the scripture is clear that God is faithful to forgive us and, and, and give us freedom from those things, to forgive us of our sins. So it's, it's all the more meaningful and important for us to, as Christians, to keep praying what Jesus teaches us here. So we pray, forgive us our debts. And then finally, the, the results of, of either of those, whoever you are, um, is the second half of the verse as we also forgive those who have uh, debts against us. Like I said, this is personal. So I want you to be uh, praying and, and asking God. Uh, I don't think any of us are at a place where 
like I said, how, how forgiving should we be? Is it like seven times I got to forgive this person? No, 77 times. So to me, that means that none of us are, are here and don't need to put this into practice. Um, who is the Holy Spirit leading you to forgive? Does God have a particular person that he wants you to forgive? What for? Do you need to tell them you forgive them? Or is there simply bitterness in your heart where, that you've been harboring, that, you're not, that you haven't let go of yet? Whatever this looks like for you here and now, understand that this is the process that Jesus is, is leading us in. As we follow him, um, there's forgiveness for our debts, and, and we are to forgive those who have debts against us. And this is not an insignificant part of Christianity. It's very, very important for us. And I believe that as we ask God these, these questions and, and we come before him with honesty and, and repentance and humility uh, to, to seek his forgiveness and to seek where we might forgive others, that I know that he is faithful in guiding us through this and empowering us to to be forgiving, as hard as it may be. Um, so, I want to close in prayer and pray about this a little bit. And as we do that, um, I'll invite the band to come up. And um, So let's just bow our heads and, and pray for a moment. Lord God, it's first of all, it's truly amazing to think about the way that you've taken our sin, the way that you've taken our debts and, and forgiven them. God, there's no way that we can begin to thank you enough for looking on that record of our debts, which Paul tells us about, and, and nailing, on, nailing it to the cross with Jesus as he died. Your grace, Lord, is overwhelming, and I pray that our hearts would feel this again today and just respond deeply. Lord, may our repentance once again bring us into that joy of knowing your forgiveness. And as we consider forgiveness to others, Lord, as we leave this place, God, would we be more ready and willing to forgive those who have sinned against us, those who will sin against us, all because of the forgiveness which we understand through you, Lord. Give us the, the strength of your spirit presence of your grace to be empowered to do this i thank you that as we ask for this lord that you are faithful to us and that we can trust you and lord while we have the opportunity now to receive communion this morning we do so in remembrance of jesus death on the cross his body that was broken and his blood that was shed for us and we take this as a proclamation of his resurrection and the life that we know. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.